Some good connections happening, it looks like, around the room. Uh, Forgive me for uh, cutting those off, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Please uh, linger after the service and hang out. And uh, let me, um, I'm feeling a bit more casual today, even than normal, which may be kind of scary. Please don't say something stupid, Stu. Um, uh, Excited to be with you. And uh, just a little insider piece, especially if you're newer with us, or if you want to connect with one of us leaders, uh, we used to hang out out front after service, um, but you all would awkwardly run by us uh, for fear that we would stop you and ask you, you know, like, what horrible sins have you committed this week? Or, you know, why didn't you give more money or something weird? Uh, so we don't, we just don't typically do that anymore, but we hang out up front after the service. So if you're newer with us or you've been with us forever and you just want to have a word with one of us in leadership, we're here. And we would just love to linger and chat with you. And one of the the great gifts of being a smaller church is there is no reason for us to not get to know one another. And so we we want to do that. So you may have to tell us your name for the 18th time. Forgive us for that. Um, It's it's, uh, lots of names to learn, but uh, we just love you and and wanna connect. So uh, linger if you'd like. And if you need to rush out and get somewhere, um, don't worry, we won't be waiting at your car to uh, sneak surprise you. Uh, 13th century freedom fighter, uh, William Wallace, is famous for uh, a quote uh, from the great movie Braveheart, um, played by the, uh, back then anyway, not yet lost all his marbles, Mel Gibson. Uh, And and I'm not actually sure if William Wallace actually said the quote or if uh, they just wrote it into the movie, but let's just pretend for a minute that he did. Uh, And the quote is, every man dies... Not every man truly lives. And this really serves in some sense as a bit of a skeletal encouragement to the rest of our series that Pastor Dan kicked off last week beautifully, uh, leading us through Joshua. And, And this concept of daring to live, the invitation for you and me, for us as a community of faith to live life to the fullest. Uh, And this time of year, I think that that is as crucial as any time of year. January and February tend to find us in that funk at times, especially our church, just the age of our kids, the age of our careers, the, the way our lives are running around the disciples' church world. You're, this time of year, you all seem to be somewhat consumed, not in a negative way or a judgy way, but consumed a little bit with caring for sick kids. How many have had sick kids in the last couple of weeks, right? Every hand goes up. Just drop them in the nursery, swap germs. We're, we're building strong kids, guys. <laughs> We're building strong kids. And, uh, and weeks just have a way of vaporizing when you're just trying to keep kids healthy or get kids healthy. Uh, some are uh, still, like me, trying to lose that 20 pounds you got at Thanksgiving. I didn't even eat 20 pounds of food. How did I gain 20 pounds? Uh, or trying to pay off those Christmas purchases that you knew you shouldn't buy at the time and for whatever reason you couldn't stop your finger from hitting by now. And you did it, and now you're paying for it. Uh, This time of year has a way, maybe it's one of those ways, maybe it's an all original way in your life, but this time of year has a way of weighing us down and putting a weight on us. Maybe you're just realizing how far summer vacation is from now. Uh, But there's more to life than being thin by the way. 
There's more to life than being out of debt. There's more to life than having a great circle of friends around you. While all those things are wonderful and have sides of health to them, how do we shift our focus over the next several weeks and realign our lives around the ways in which God has actually designed us to live? For I I come to you and we gather together holding this belief dearly that God's way for our life is the most abundant and best way to live. That the life with Jesus is the best of all possible lives. That there is not the life that we create and then we add a little Jesus into it to somehow make us feel a bit more forgiven or a bit more peaceful or a bit more generous or a bit more active in society. No, the the life of Jesus is the best of all possible lives. The prophet Isaiah had a way of introducing this best of all possible lives in a pretty unique way. Uh, Isaiah is a character in the Bible who gets uh, you know an entire book. The book of Isaiah is a big one. And yet most of us know very little about Isaiah. And maybe you've taken the time to sit down and read through Isaiah. Maybe even spent the time to study. And if you had done that, you could study through all of those, I think 58 chapters, if I'm not mistaken, of Isaiah and end at the end of that book and still know very, very little about Isaiah other than he got to say a bunch of depressing stuff to God's people. Really, really interesting uh, to dive into him. I want to go to Isaiah 6 today and explore a bit about how he dared to live and what a critical piece to our life as a community will be if we dare to actually live the best of all possible lives that life with Jesus. If you've got a Bible, turn to Isaiah 6. And if you're using version on your smartphone, um, I am so glad. I think it's a great tool for us as a church. If you haven't downloaded it yet, uh, it looks like this in your app store. Um, and I am clicking on the event now because um, um, I should, um, if, if it would work. For some reason, mine's not clicking, but yours will. Um, I'm sure of it. Um, So go to that event and pull that up, Isaiah chapter six. And as you get prepared in Isaiah chapter six, as you find your way, whether you're using printed scriptures or you're using the event in you version, let me um, help prepare us by filling out a bit of this picture, if we will. In the opening verses, we're gonna see in just a minute, if you wanna cheat and look ahead, go right ahead. But in these opening verses, it's gonna start with, in the year that King Uzziah died. And then it goes on to explain this experience Isaiah had. But in the year that King Uzziah died, now this would have been a pretty normal and not so out of the ordinary way for a writer in that day and age to explain the period of time in which they lived. Oftentimes, even in scripture, maybe it'll, it'll remind you, but oftentimes in scripture, it would say something like, in the 15th year of King Hezekiah's reign, or in the 10th year that King Ahab reigned. And, and this gives us markers along a timeline that I think the writers inherently knew, this text is so valuable, people are gonna read it for a long time, and they're gonna wanna try to find themselves in the story of Israel. So let us provide them some markers along the way. So him opening within the year that King Uzziah died would not have been overwhelmingly surprising uh, except for 
the story of King Uzziah is a pretty powerful one in connection to what Isaiah is about to experience. King Uzziah's story, if you want to read up on it in fullness, can be found in 2 Chronicles 26, and you you get quite a bit of the story there, so you don't have to necessarily take my word or paraphrase uh, for it, but he's one of the better kings. Um, Led a long time, I want to say 52 years, don't hold me to the number, I'm bad with him, but I think it was about 52 years he he led. Um, Did some really, really good stuff. In fact, 2 Chronicles Chronicles 26 highlights that he, he built up a really strong army and he took really good care agriculturally and he built a strong economy and, and all of these things that matter to people then and matter to us as well. He built these things strong and led with a pretty firm hand. Second Chronicles 26, 15 says that his fame spread far and wide for the Lord gave him marvelous help and he became very powerful. But uh, King Uzziah, maybe in part as a victim of his own success or just drunk on success, made some per- terrible, horrible missteps. He had built this great economy and he had taken care of farmers and he had built a fantastic military force that was really ready and waiting to take out anybody that stood in their way. And yet verse uh, 26 gives us this uh, powerful picture. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. And then it goes on to tell the story uh, of his downfall, which uh, to me is really, really uh, an odd little piece. He walks in to the tabernacle of God, and you can see the story in 2 Chronicles 26, but he walks into the temple of God and breaks a few temple rules, which would seem in passing to those of us who don't live in a very uh, proper or steeped in religiosity culture would seem like pretty simple things, but he lights the incense and he walks in and disrespects everything about the presence of God and the enjoyment of the presence of God. You see, in that day and age, you had priests that managed the temple courts and people would come in and would confess their sins. And it worked a little different temple to temple to temple. But one thing that never got crossed was only the priest went into the Holy of Holies. There were certain places that nobody got to go but the priest. And uh, King Uzziah goes marching in, incense burning, and says, essentially, with his actions, God and I are equals. I bow to no one. I'm ready to meet with God. I'm going in. And I don't, I don't go in with any sense of humility or any sense of lowliness or any sense of who I am and how broken I am, but I am marching in and God's gonna deal with me however he wants to deal with me. And deal with him, he did, he, struck him with leprosy on the spot. And so it's with this backdrop that we pick up the story of Isaiah because it's in that very year that King Uzziah died, who was a really pretty good guy, but had this proud misstep in the presence of God as if he knew things that he didn't know, as if he understood things that could be not understood. 
pick up the story with me in Isaiah 6, if you would. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord and he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other. Interesting. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple at its foundation. And the entire building was filled with smoke. This is a powerful and interesting picture that is a foreshadowing, at least to Christ, that as he hung on the cross, proving that he was holy, 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 and that the whole earth was filled with his glory as he hung on a cross, the mighty foundations of the temple shook and the curtain is torn and the separation between humanity and the presence of God is forever removed and the temple structures are demolished so you don't need me anymore as your priest or your pastor or even your friend to get you in with God. All of that is gone through Christ. Christ is now your deliverer to the presence of God. And so we get this foreshadowing in Isaiah 6 that the very foundations of the temple and don't Let it simply be some physical manifestation. Surely, Isaiah was feeling that the very foundations of a system were being shook. Because King Uzziah, he remembers, because this happens in the year that he died, King Uzziah just walked in with incense burning to the presence of God and was struck with leprosy. And what's really interesting is even in that temple construct that Uzziah so blatantly and egregiously sinned out of his own pride, what was to be found in the very holiest of places there wasn't even God incarnate. It was the Ark of the Covenant. You go into the Holy Holies and it's a box. I mean, it's a cool box. It's covered in gold. It's awesome. But it's a box, guys. And inside the box was essentially the Ten Commandments is what we would guess, but it was the etched stones of the covenant between God and man. So if, bear with me, if Uzziah is to march all the way into the Holy of Holies and get there, he wasn't even gonna be with God. He was gonna be with the presence that represented who God was. God is so otherly, he is other than that. In the Holy of Holies is there. So here you here Isaiah in that same year that Uzziah dies finds himself, oh dear God, there you are. He's in the presence of God. He sees him. He's even describing what he sees in that moment. He saw God and with two wings they're covering him. With two wings they fly. And he must be thinking in that moment, oh my goodness, I have pushed on the wrong bookshelf and I have found myself through a doorway that I should not have crossed over. I'm in the very presence of God. And my king, who was a pretty good guy, who did all the things culture said he ought to do, this was his downfall. 
that when he got in the presence of God, he did not posture himself correctly. Verse four again, their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building is filled with smoke. And verse five, then I said, it's all over. <laughs> I'm doomed. You begin to, get a, begin to get a fuller picture of why he would have said it's all over. I'm doomed because he's in the presence of God. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king the Lord of heaven's armies. And one seraphim flew to me with burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. I don't want to race through this. I I want to, let us be patient and let this develop a little bit. Picture yourself there. Here, you've seen God. Uh, As you've heard me say before, it's not my original thought, but as you've heard me say before, nobody will ever see God or meet God in person and be like, yep, exactly as I thought you would be. (laughs) Nailed it. No, he sees God and he's like, really? Seraphim? Wings? Wow, I didn't see that one coming. And over one of them begins to fly. And because... God is a dramatist. I think that he flew in a pretty circuitous route, I think. I don't think it was a straight line. I think he was like flying around with this coal and the smoke is falling by. He's like, ha, 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 ha. My lips are filthy, he says, which is interesting because Isaiah is a prophet who like talks all the time. So the very gift that God has given him is the first thing Isaiah leaves with. This part of me is filthy, dirty, unclean. And I see that coal coming for me. And I don't know what the options were to Isaiah. I don't want to presume upon him that he could have run out of the room or the vision or the experience, whatever this was. Was he, had he crossed into the heavenly realm? Had God transported him? Was, I, I, I couldn't even presume to understand that. Something supernatural was going on in the moment. But interestingly, the angel flies to him with this piece of coal and touches his lips. You ever drank a hot cup of tea and burnt your lip? You ever put your hand next to the charcoal coals of a barbecue? Arguably, the second greatest smell in all of the universe is burning charcoal. It's like You ever put your hand near that stuff, how hot that is? Imagine that coming for your lip. How close would that angel have to get to him before he felt the burning pain of that heat? And then he touches him. He touched my lips and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. (laughs) Now you're burnt right? Now you have a blister. Now you're going to be reminded of how bad you've been. Now you're going to have something on you that will last some time that will likely scar you and make sure you never forget how filthy your lips are. No, (laughs) it's not what it says. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. 
now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. He finds himself here in the presence of God and I, I don't know how it happened, how he found himself there. But he finds himself there. And his response to finding himself in the presence of God is not, yep, that's exactly how I thought you would be. And on the flip side, his response wasn't, get me out of here, I don't want this. His immediate response was something to the effect of, you are so holy and I am so not. That in the presence of God, his response was merely to say, you are set apart and I am filthy. And God's response to him is, then let me clean you up. Let me make you clean. Hey, angel, get down, grab some coal. Get down there. Make him clean. I don't want anybody in my presence to be unclean. Make him clean. I, I don't want anybody to feel dirty in my presence. Make him clean. Isaiah dared to be cleansed. He dared to be cleansed. Part, part of this process for you and I in daring to live is daring to be clean. Being courageous enough to say, yeah, I, I'm sinful. A conversation with somebody just today said, man, I, I'm angry. I remember, Stu, you used to be angry. I, I thought in my head as my friend was saying, you used to be angry. I thought, <laughs> I used to be. <laughs> oh, how I have you tricked. He dared to be cleansed. He had courage enough to say, I'm a man of filthy, unclean lips. Cleanse me. Growing up, I, uh, I spent a lot of time on dirt bikes and bicycles and, um, and by virtue of spending a lot of time on those things, I spent a lot of time beat up and torn up and broken. And I think by last count, the stitch count on my body was 300 and something um, over the years. And so it became a pretty commonplace thing uh, for me to be in the ER getting something sewn up that was gushing blood or something sticking out or something jammed in that needed to be removed. Uh, and so it just became a pretty normal thing. It was like, oh, dang it, they're going to have to stitch that, you know? And some of it you could pull together and super glue shut, and that would, you know, keep it. Other stuff was like, nah, it's going to infect. That's pretty ugly. I, I see things in there that I probably shouldn't be able to see with the naked eye. You should probably get that sewn up. And, and one of the things that always surprised me about getting stitches, and I, they don't do it like this anymore. I'm so old, they, you know, they... They all dissolve now, but it used to be like literally a needle and thread. I mean, basically, it was a cool looking needle, but it was a needle and thread. And, and you would see that needle and thread sitting there on the tray and think, oh, it's going to be the worst. Oh, I just get the thought of them. You know, I don't want to make you sick in the morning, but the thought of that was just this horrible, horrible thought. But here's the deal. That was never the hard part. By the time they got to the needle and thread, all the pain, the worst part was the cleaning was that stupid betadine that would stain your clothes and get everywhere. It didn't matter how warm it, oh, I, I, it's a little bit cold. I'm like, it's not a little bit cold. You're rubbing a sponge through my skin. I'm not worried about the temperature of the fluid. I'm worried about you scraping rocks out of my arm. They would scrape it clean. The only thing worse than sewing up a wound would be sewing up dirt and grime and whatever else I got in there. The cleanup is always the most painful part. 
This is why we generally don't arrive and say, I need clean. I need to be cleansed. Because it's the cleanup that's the worst part. It's not the, it's not the scar. It's not the wound. It's not the stitching it up. It's not the binding it together. It's arriving in the presence of God, whether you feel it in your gut or whether you just know it is, and saying to God, God, I am a man of unclean lips. God, I am a woman of unclean thoughts. God, I am a teenager of unclean motivations. God, I am a parent of unclean fill in your blank. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me clean so that when I am in your presence, no more coal needs to touch my lips. And this process for Isaiah required something of him. It required a sense of humility in him that is not popular in our day and age to say, yep, I got that one wrong. That was a bad thing to do. Cleanse me. Instead, we doubled down and we argue why that was the right move. All of that's probably a sermon for another time, maybe another month. But as we progress in our time together now, I wanna touch on these final verses and then put a challenge to us. Go back to verse six with me. We'll pick up the story there. Then one of the seraphim flew with, flew to me with a burning coal. He had taken it from the altar with a pair of tongs and he touched my lips with it and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips as if he needed to be reminded, right? I just think that's hilarious. Like, oh, it did, did it? Huh, I had no idea. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? And so I said, here I am, send me. God, I'm a man of unclean lips. Cleanse me from that. And God cleanses him and forgives his sin and cleans him up and then immediately says, now, who could I use for that very purpose? As if to say that as you and I approach the throne of God and say, God, I am a man, I am a woman, I am a child of unclean motivations. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You can almost count on the next step, God saying, whose motivations could I use for my purposes now? Now that they're all cleaned up. God, I'm a person of unclean finances. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God cleans our finances up and gives us a a worldview of his for money. And then he says, huh, I wonder whose money I could use for my purposes. See, the idea here is not that he cleans us up so that somehow simply the guilt is removed. While that is powerful, he cleans us up so that he can then use us for his purposes. He wants to use us. And not like use us in like some usey way, but like what's to cooperate, us to cooperate with his purposes in the world. And he doesn't, he doesn't command it of Isaiah. It's not like, all right, well now there's some reciprocity. Now I've cleaned you up. Now you're gonna do for me, you little slave child. He doesn't say that. He says to him, I wanna invite you in to a greater way to live. Will you dare to live now? Would you dare, now that you're cleaned up, would you dare to live? Would you dare to use that thing that I've put in you for my goodness? 
the prayer team and the worship team are gonna begin to make their way up here and join me uh, back up here. Prayer team will be scattered around the room. There'll be some up front. Those are the really spiritual prayers. And then there'll be prayer team in the back. For those of you with really dark sin, just go back there. I'm kidding. Just some of you are closer to the front and some are closer to the back. So uh, if it freaks you out to come up front, go to the back. It's really okay. Uh, the prayer team are around. And, and I wanna um, challenge you very simply in, in a couple very practical ways today. As we have moved from a communal time where we have sang together and we've chatted and we've connected and, and we've worshiped the name of God and then we've moved into a sort of a more individualized time where we've, I've talked and you've listened and hopefully processed and made notes individually. Now we move back into a time of community together. Don't let this end individualized. Let it move back to a time of community. And there's a number of elements set up around the room to help you engage with what God is up to in our church and in our city communally. Uh, first, there's a giving station in the back. Take some time and give back. If you're part of the family, this is uh, our invitation from God to be part of it. Don't be part of the family and not give. Don't, don't make that mistake. You will miss out on great joy and blessing. You can do it right from your seat if you really want to. The in instructions are on the screen behind me. But I, I would encourage you to get up and move from your seat and actually go to the station. Even if today is a day where you didn't bring a gift or you're not prepared or finances won't allow it, go to the station and just pray over the gifts that are there. Pray over those who are giving today. Say, God, please multiply. I, I'm not able to give today or I don't feel led to give today. But God, for those who will, I pray blessing over them. Join communally in that activity. I want to also encourage you to get up, move around, and get prayer. And maybe uh, today's prayer, you, you may come with lots of things you're hoping to get prayer for, so please get prayer for those things. But if I could challenge you to start your prayer with this very, very simple prayer. God, I am a person of unclean, fill in your blank. Touch me and cleanse me. God, I am a person of unclean, professional motivations. God, I'm a person of unclean priorities. God, I'm a person of unclean thoughts. God, I'm a person of unclean words. God, I'm touch me and cleanse me. And then allow that friend of yours to pray over your life and to pray for that cleansing that he wants to lead you to and lead you in. We're going to open up some space now for that to happen and just worship for a little bit. Um, and then uh, Pastor Sean will be up to wrap this up. Yeah. So stand to your feet if you would with me and, and make space for those around you to get out um, and uh, we'll, work, we'll work around the room and meet with God. I love you For your mercy never fails me all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With 
every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. We believe your goodness, Lord. through the fire in darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God no my if you have been faithful With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. goodness 
breath. 